Welcome to the Roundtable. I am Jennifer Eller, and with me today is my co-host, Mike Hill, and our producer, Nick Wilson, back behind us here. But our guest today is Emily Johnson. Hi, Emily. Hi. Yeah, so you have been coming to Life Church as a elementary school, junior high. How long have you? I think I started coming here in sixth grade. Okay. So... It's been a while. Yeah, since like 2010 or something. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So what brought your family to Life Church at that time? I I think we were just searching for a new church and um, just kind of looking around. And we knew Lee Dowdy was a close Mm -hmm. friend of ours, and she was working in the youth ministry. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, my parents just Mm -hmm. decided to land here. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So are you uh, an avid reader? Do you Netflix movies? What's kind of your guilty pleasure that you kind of do? Um, I guess when I have time, um, I like, yeah, Netflix, like the TV shows. Um, try to get back into reading, but don't have a lot of time mm-hmm. for that. Are you a binge watcher of anything? Has there been anything in the last year you're like, I just like had to watch on Netflix or um, Prime or... I mean, I feel like a lot of the new shows, the young adult, like, rom-com type of shows. I would I have no idea the what they are. Them. So can Rome you give me a... Do you know, know what rom-com is? Uh, <laughs> romance comedy. There you go. Mm-hmm. The only reason I know that is because the book Green Lights mm-hmm. with Matthew McConaughey. So mm-hmm. he talks about him being in mm-hmm. rom-com. So that would be the only mm-hmm. reference yeah. I would ever have to it. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Nothing's really coming to mind okay. that I've watched recently. Okay. I've been watching a lot more like Christmas movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Christmas movie or a traditional Christmas movie? Um, my family really likes to watch Elf during the Christmas time. Does that it's mean you don't? Favorite. No, I do. <laughs> okay, you're like <laughs> my family, but... <laughs> we all watch it together. Okay. It's my mom's favorite. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So what, um, like, childhood memory, do you have a favorite memory, something, a trip that you took, or vac- I guess vacation and trip, the same thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, my family, growing up since, I guess, middle school, has always, mm-hmm. for spring break, um, I guess it stopped when I went off to college, mm-hmm. but we would go to Gulf Shores, Alabama, mm-hmm. with another family or two other families, um, and just spend a week at the beach and it was always a great time mm-hmm. with the family and then like with the other families that would join us, just great mm-hmm. times at the beach in the water. Is that what the yeah. attraction is? Beach and water? Like yes. for you, like when you go down there, is it like I could just hang out at the beach all the time? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Sitting on the beach. <laughs> I, I'm just not a beach guy. Beach like volleyball. I, mm-hmm. That, that, that would things. be fun. But just laying there and having the sand mm. blow all over you. Because mm, yeah, no. it's spring break time. I wouldn't assume the water's warm. Not really. But as a kid, you don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's like you'll wave. just go out and mm. jump in at any point and mm-hmm. freeze to death. And half your body's numb, but it's still a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, one of the things that you did as a middle schooler, or maybe it was high school, you were part of Blessings in a Backpack. So... Mm-hmm. Um, how did that start? I mean, um, I don't remember quite the story. Yeah, that. so I went to um, Canterbury up in Fort Wayne for mm-hmm. elementary school. It's a private um, boys' Christian school. And 
um, they would pack for blessings or like blessings in a backpack that was up in Fort Wayne. And so when I was in fifth grade, I think we like packed for them. Mm. And I was just really curious, like, what is this? Mm -hmm. Why are we doing this? Um, And then I came home and was like, mom, why aren't we doing this? Like, is there something like this in Huntington? She said, no, not really. And I said, why not? And so um, I think we brought it to Lee Dowdy, and she kind of helped us get it started. We started out with about 15 kids um, and just... So 15 kids that you helped supply food to yes. or 15... Okay, so Sorry, yeah, 15 kids that we would give food to mm-hmm. on the weekends um, in one of the elementary schools. Mm-hmm. And we would just go out and buy the foods and pack the bags. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, so that's kind of how it started. That was when I was in sixth grade, so like 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's still going strong. It's grown to about 500 kids in all of the elementary schools, mm-hmm. giving food for them on the weekend um, for students who like are on free and reduced lunch, so they probably don't have um, as much of an opportunity mm-hmm. to have food on the weekend when there is no school providing them mm-hmm. a meal. So are you in all the Huntington schools now? Um, I believe so. Said? I don't think we're in Roanoke, mm. but um, there's a church in Roanoke that is mm. supplying food yes. for those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so like how many volunteers do you have? Do you remember? I, I know you're not around too much <laughs> anymore, but yeah. do you know? I'm not sure. I know a lot of, um, it started out with a lot of churches supporting it and youth groups coming in and packing. Mm -hmm. And I think now it's moved to just any group in the community Mm -hmm. can come and pack um, one night of the week. And um, I think it's a pretty full schedule Mm -hmm. throughout the school year. Um, Having like small groups or like life groups, teams from the high school Mm -hmm. coming to pack or help organize. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's a lot of people around the community, not necessarily a like set number. Yeah. I'm still a driver for Blessing, so I get to go to, yeah, so I deliver to Flint Flint Springs every other week. So So they pack it and then you just go pick Mm -hmm. it all up So you go pick it up at the location. So they're out at um, St. Anne's is where they're at now, um, is where they pack at, which is amazing. I mean, they have so much room because they Mm. used to be here and then... Mm -hmm. We needed that space, and so it, it, that was a blessing to them because mm. they have so much room. So, yep, so I go out and pick it up and take it to Flint Springs and then have to go take the boxes back. And so, and so they just deliver it to the school, and then yep. the school hands it out mm-hmm, to people? They do, yep. So they have, like, a list. And I like our school, they'll put, like, tags on the bags, and then they'll go. I'd help them one time because it was this was years ago because it was, like, late or something or fall mm. break or something. But, yeah, they give it to the kids. And so, mm. yeah, I think we have to take, like, I think we might have 70 kids in our school. Um, we've taken usually about seven to ten boxes, and so I don't know. There's yeah, wow. there it's pretty it's a pretty neat program. So yeah, that's really yeah. cool that that's still going strong, and yeah, that you were a part of that. So um, I know you're part of like the the youth group with Heather Heipel when yes. you were here. Um, so did you do a lot of service projects with within Heather, or what did that look like when you were with doing youth at Life Church? Um, yeah, it looked like, I think we did service projects, things around the community. I did a handful of missions trips with, um, the church Mm. and with Heather. Is that kind of your DNA? Like, have you always (laughs) been, I mean, it's just interesting to me. Usually sixth graders aren't 
too concerned about somebody else's life? So is it just like naturally inside of you to be like, I'm always looking outside for the needs of other people? I mean, has that always kind of been who you are? Um, I think, yeah, it's always been a part of like who God made me to be. Um, I really think that like with the blessings thing, like I don't even remember really doing it and bringing it up. I really think that it was like the Holy Spirit mm. working through me mm. um, and through a child mm. who was just willing to say, well, okay, like why can't mm. we do it? Right. And like my parents or like people saying like, oh no, like you have to think of the money, the like mm. finances, all of the organization to get the food to the kids and packing it. And I'm like, well, no, like let's just do it. Right. Like, in a kid's mind, it's like, <laughs> That doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so now that you look back on Mm -hmm. it, now that you're, how old are you now? 24. Yeah. So now that you're 24, looking back, you can identify that it was a childlike faith through the Holy Spirit. So at what point in your journey did you start to recognize like, oh, this is the Holy Spirit just telling me what to do. And I did it. Because I think back then it was Mm -hmm. probably just like, why not ask the question? Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't have identified it probably as, oh, the Holy Spirit's directly talking to me. So as your spiritual life grew, did you start to recognize that like, oh, this is God speaking to me in this ways? And like, how did that develop? Um, I think it's developed through high school and into college. I mean, I'm still developing it. Um, But yeah, mainly probably through like being ministered through Heather um, and her being my mentor and through college. Yeah. And so there's that again, so that, are you a risk taker by nature? So, I mean, is it like, okay, this was a decision. I have my parents around me to help because I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. we're going to get to this, but mm-hmm. so then it was, I got somebody to support me. Now you're in Bolivia and you're a teacher. So, you know, there's <laughs> this like back then you have a support system where you can throw out mm-hmm. ideas right. and people are going to support you and you can work through that. And then you see where you are today. So are you just naturally like, hey, I'll take any risk. I'll, you know, is it, in again, back in your DNA to like whatever he asked me to do? Or have you ever had to work through that of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, that seems like a big risk and I don't know if I want to take it or. Yeah, I mean, moving to Bolivia was a huge risk. Yeah. Um, halfway across the world, new continent. And that took a lot of faith in me to like take that risk and that jump. And I definitely had doubt. And at times was like, no, I'm not going overseas. No, (laughs) no, God, like maybe in a few years um, when I get like more settled and I have like a more financially stable, Mm. maybe in a few years I'll I'll go. Um, But really, God just working through me and through opening doors um, and all of that just kind of showed me like, no, I need to take this risk. He's opening it for me. Um, He's put it on my heart to be a missionary teacher um, for as long as I can remember. Mm. Um, And just knowing like, this is where God wants me to be and where I can, where he wants me to influence and teach the word. So so, so can you talk about, I mean, you said, uh, Heather was one of your, one of your mentors. So we've been talking about that 
you know, what does it look like? You know, Benito was on our last podcast, talked about Mm -hmm. mentorship and that idea. Can you talk about what mentorship has meant to you? You know, whether it's Heather or anybody, Mm -hmm. like, what has it meant to you? And how, how, because that's just a word that people throw out all the time. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. people should be mentors, but you've been on the other end of it being mentored. What has it meant to you? And then maybe are you using some of what you were given and are you giving it to other people from a mentorship standpoint? So can you talk a little bit about what did mentorship mean to you? Um, I mean, with Heather, she would say, I would say she's like my main mentor. Okay. Um, even though we don't like talk super much now mm-hmm. that I don't live here, but, um, it was, she was just such an influential role in, my growing up and Mm. middle school and high school age being so important in the development and the development of my faith. Mm -hmm. I think without her, I, my faith Mm. wouldn't be Mm. where it is today. Mm. Um, having her to look up to and as a teacher, let alone, um, just as like a godly woman and, Mm. um, a godly wife, godly mother, just, I look up to that and aspire to be that in the future. Um, was there anything that she did again? I, I mean, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but were there specific things that Heather did or was she just available? Like, is there, cause again, I want to, I want other people to hear, like, if I want to be a mentor, like these are some of the things that are really impactful or Mm -hmm. is it just like, Hey, if I want to be a mentor, I just need to make myself available. Or is it the both and I think both, I think a big part was just her being there every single week we met on Wednesdays. Um, as like a small group before youth group Um, and her just being there being reliable always listening um, offering advice when it's asked upon Um, yeah I think a big thing that stands out is a lot of people are mentors to young because they have a child that's like that age Mm. and I was like she doesn't have a daughter Mm -hmm. or a son Mm. that's my age all Mm. of her sons are older but yet she chooses to come every single week mm. and give up at least one night a week. Right. And then also um, <laughs> coming to camp with mm-hmm. us or doing all-nighters right. and just willing to be there, I think, was a big part of it and willing to listen. And again, mm-hmm. I think, Heather, wasn't Heather a part of it when we were doing, like, she became your small group leader in middle school mm-hmm. and then followed you all the way through? Yeah. Yeah, like she, she was your... Mm-hmm small group leader. And then she was your small group leader all the way through mm-hmm. high school. Cause that's, again, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, cause I think that's what works. Like I think long-term, if you're going to make a difference, like, I don't think it's, you can have a small group leader in middle school and then a small group leader in high mm-hmm. school. And then like, I think it's somebody who follows you all the way through because those are pretty influential times. I mean, you get into middle school and (laughs) I mean, all of the stuff that's changing and then Mm -hmm. you go into high school and you're trying to figure out your own personality and your own faith. And so the idea that you can have a constant, so that I feel like that's what you're saying is, is that Heather was a constant, Mm -hmm. like she came, she was going to be available. It's not that she had all of the greatest wisdom. It's just that she was available, Mm -hmm. you know, for you and that we could learn that just being available and being there is half the battle. Right. Yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. 
So talk a little bit. I, I'm interested. Can we go to the Bolivia thing? Because I want to. Well, I kind of want to know a little bit. Yes, we can no, go. get there. Yeah, no, going. but I just, you know, you're talking about uh, mission trips and stuff in, you know, the high school that you, you went on. And I know my husband was on some of those trips as, you know, he would go. And I remember, you know, stories that he would bring back and stuff. But, you know, what was like one of your favorite ones? And did that mm. like really kind of set the tone where you knew you wanted to go? Because you said you wanted to be a teacher in missions, you mm-hmm. know? So did that help? solidify that did you know prior to those trips or were those trips because did you ever go on any out of country mm-hmm. okay because yeah. one you do it one year was in country and the next one was out of country if yeah. i remember what hillary did yeah mm-hmm. so so what did that look like um yeah i knew since i was in fourth grade that i wanted to be a teacher mm-hmm. just um with my fourth grade teacher and um yeah it wasn't until i went started going on missions trips that i really decided maybe overseas Mm -hmm. is where my heart is. Um, And it was with David Dean going to the Dominican Mm -hmm. Republic um, when I was going into my freshman year of high school. And um, just being over there with the kids Mm -hmm. and just being able to love on the kids and share the word. And um, yeah, I think it was really moving to me and that's really where it Mm -hmm. solidified where I wanted I knew that this is where God Mm -hmm. was calling me um and putting it in my heart starting there and then um I went one more time with David Dean um a few years later Mm -hmm. and in between I went to Honduras Mm -hmm. with Hillary Mm -hmm. um and that one was also very beneficial we worked on building a house for Mm -hmm orphans and families that would take in the orphans as their own kids. Um, And yeah, getting to work with the kids and getting to just serve and build houses. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just really fell in love with the culture of South Mm -hmm. America and um, just working with kids and trying to bridge the gap Mm -hmm. between Spanish and English, even though like I'm not very good at Spanish and wasn't very good back then. And they might not know English very Mm -hmm. well. Um, but really trying to make those connections, um, between the two languages and the two cultures Mm -hmm. was just eye opening and very special Mm -hmm. for me. That's awesome. So then how did you decide you wanted to go to Bolivia? So you went to college at Taylor. Yes. So did some, a door open up there? Yeah. Um, So my professor, one of my professors um, did two years in Bolivia Mm -hmm. as their like director of the whole school. And so she always talked highly of it um, throughout my years at Taylor. And I guess it was always on the Mm -hmm. back of my mind. I don't know if I ever was like, oh, yeah, Bolivia Mm -hmm. is where I need to go Um, until my senior year. My student taught in Costa Rica, and I came back, and it wasn't, it was a great experience, but at the same time, it was a very hard experience, Mm -hmm. and I was kind of questioning, do I want to go overseas? Like, this was really hard. Um, What was hard? Like, what part of it was difficult that made you question whether or not you wanted to do that? Yeah, so it was the first time I went overseas without anyone I knew. Mm. Um, and I'm shy and kind of introverted, so that was really hard for me, um, being pushed out of my shell and in 
a Costa Rican household with um, a Oh, so you lady. lived with the family. Yeah, I lived with an older lady and her mom. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was, she was like 60. Take an introvert and say, hey, just go live in this house with people you don't know. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that mm-hmm. was a lot. And the there wasn't any other Americans there for most mm. of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was the most of the... Most of the teachers were 50, 40 and above, oh, wow. and I was working with 10-year-olds. So my interactions were with 40 <laughs> or older or 10-year-olds. Right. Um, and so I was just really longing for, like, someone my own age. Right. And, like, my host family, they were great, but she was also older and didn't know anyone younger. Right. No one younger really spoke mm-hmm. English, so it's not like I could just go out and... Um, right, you just go hang out in the town me. in Costa yeah. Rica. Yeah. Um, and so, but God did provide another student teacher who came. I never, like, I did not know she was coming. She just showed up one day mm-hmm. um, from somewhere down south. I don't mm-hmm. remember what state, but she was a blessing, very mm-hmm. extroverted. So we got to travel um, Costa Rica together, and she knew Spanish pretty well, which was very mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. Um, and so I think she was a blessing from God because that really turned around mm. the experience. But yeah. Yeah. Good. I just was curious, like what the parts that were, were difficult. Mm-hmm. And then as you make that transition, mm-hmm. like how did you overcome some of those mm-hmm. as you you go into, to, Hey, I'm going to make this decision mm-hmm. and yeah. go into Bolivia. How do you overcome some of those, mm-hmm. you know, difficulties? So. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe talk through that. So you're, so Jennifer, you like saying you go, you go to Taylor, you, you go through the program because I think Taylor's pretty good about this. Where Brady went, so I mean they, like he went to Greece, you know, mm-hmm. and so they they provide good opportunities mm-hmm. for you to travel and to experience yeah. and have a lot of people in that program that have been a lot of places. Okay. So I think there was a lot of at least for him exposure to other places other than, hey, everybody goes to this college essentially from around here or, you know, really hasn't had Mm -hmm. any of those types of experiences. I know for him, that was uh, even his friend groups, you know, because Taylor has Mm -hmm. people that come from everywhere. And so, I mean, his best friends from Colorado, you know, Mm -hmm. and so a lot of his friends were from all over the United States. So it kind of expanded your borders, which I think is a good thing that college can do so you get back from Costa Rica. It was difficult, right? Yeah. So you're just you're like, ah, I don't really know. So what solidified the idea of okay, even though that was difficult, I'm going to make a decision to go do it for three years of my life. Yeah. Um, funny you mentioned the friends things because when I came back, my friend group had kind of expanded um, to some people who lived next door. They were. Um, boys who were from, like, they were international. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so one was from Spain, one from, I don't know, Mexico or something, mm. and two were actually from Bolivia. Oh, wow. And they went to the school growing up that I now teach at. Mm. And so when I kind of was looking for jobs over spring break, having that crisis of where am I going to go? I'm open to the world. <laughs> um, <clears throat> they kind of were like, oh, like Bolivia. We have a great school there. I think he would do great there. And so they kind of opened mm. the door up for me. And I knew my professor had taught there and always spoke highly of it. Um, and so just talking with them, I was like, 
okay, I guess I'll apply. Hmm. And it actually took me from spring break to graduation, almost graduation, to finish my application. Because hmm. I would just be like, eh, I don't want to do it. I'm pushing oh. it off. I was thinking the application <laughs> no, was that hard. I'm like, holy cow, no. nobody's teaching if that takes no, that long. I just didn't want to finish hmm. it because I was like, I don't hmm. want this to be real. I don't hmm. want to do this, but I feel like I have to because, you know, it's where God wants, like, has had my heart. So I'm like, I guess I'll, I'll finish the mm-hmm. application. And I did it very slowly, very reluctantly. Um, and I actually accepted a job here in Huntington. And I was set to be a third grade teacher at mm-hmm. one of the elementary schools. Um, when they called me and I interviewed and they said, we want you to be our fourth grade teacher. Let us know in a few days what you decide. Mm-hmm. And just wrestling with that as... I know that I would, God would use me here in Huntington to do great things, but um, yeah, just my heart has always been in missions, and I just felt like a calling to overseas and to that school. It's just kind of crazy how all the things lined up for Bolivia, of all places. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even know where it is. <laughs> um, they're like, Belize? Belgium, (laughs) the Middle East, where is that? So, um, yeah, I just prayed about it and I talked to God and really reluctantly I said, okay, I'll go. Hmm. Um, So can you talk hmm. a little bit about, because I think this is a challenge for people. So especially for young people today, um, when people throw out the word calling, Right. Like, how do you know? Like a lot of people would say, well, how do I know if this is really what God wants? And how do I, how do I know it's not just something that I've always wanted to do, but maybe God doesn't like, how did you sort out Mm -hmm. through all of your feelings? Like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is God's calling in my life. How did you get to that place? Did you talk to people? Mm -hmm. Did you like through prayer, through you know, what, what was it to solidify, like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. going to do it? Yeah, I think just knowing that, like, it's been on my heart since a young age um, to teach overseas, and, like, that doesn't just come, I don't know, it doesn't mm-hmm. come from nothing. Right. And so I really think that that was the Holy Spirit putting that on my heart to slowly transform me into mm-hmm. who I needed to be mm-hmm. to go overseas. Um, and I think, hmm. Did anybody help you make the decision? Like when you were wrestling, how did you wrestle through it? Um, through prayer, talking with my friends at college. Um, yeah, no one was like, this is the right decision. Like you have to do this. Mm. It's a once in a lifetime Mm -hmm. opportunity to go somewhere overseas and, see the world like you're never going to get to do that again no one really like pressured me into it It was just listening um did anybody discourage you um like say hey what about and kind of go through the make sure you know like Mm -hmm. this could be the bad things of it all not really okay um I think my parents were very skeptical and very Mm -hmm. worried but they wanted to support me and they knew that I've been talking about this since middle school, so they knew that it was going to happen um, eventually. Right. And so they were really supportive, which has been super helpful because I know a lot of parents aren't always supportive. Um, yeah, because I think that's mm-hmm. the thing that, I mean, 
in listening to people, one of the things like, yeah, you got to, you got to reflect back on like what's been on your heart forever, mm -hmm. you know, cause sometimes I think we forget, like mm -hmm. I always try to encourage people dream like you were a kid, right? Cause when you get older, you stop dreaming, you know, you try to become way more practical and mm -hmm. make everything work and make everything fit in a box. And when it comes to calling or when it comes to the things that God wants, I think you have to start dreaming like you used to. It goes back to how do people do things like blessings in a backpack in Huntington? You just like, I think that's mm -hmm. what we're supposed to do. That's what kids do. Mm -hmm. Like kids act mm -hmm. on childlike faith. There's a need. I mean, God's mm -hmm. God, like the finances and the administration. Yeah. Because when somebody mm -hmm. gets to be a senior in high school or in college, all they think about is the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, what about the money? And what about the, Definitely. you know, all the administrative work and all the, usually it's all about the obstacles, not the, so I always encourage people, like, make sure you dream like you did as a kid. Make, don't, don't put impossibilities because God is a God of impossibilities, right? Mm -hmm. And he can do all of those things. And then the other part of it is it surround yourself with people that, are also people that are going to encourage you that you're following a God of impossibilities because mm -hmm. it's easy to surround yourself with people that don't dream anymore and people that don't support other people's mm -hmm. dreams anymore. And so it sounds like you did a good job of, even though people can be leery, there's a difference between being leery and being discouraging, mm -hmm. right? You know, in those situations. So surrounding yourselves with good people that will encourage you to take steps of faith because I think that's mm -hmm. vital. Like I think people, yeah, don't talk you into it, but also would encourage you to be like, okay, remember God's still God, yeah. right? And God's still speaking and God's still doing mm -hmm. great things. So, I mean, what's the, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? right? You know, in the midst of that, other than your faith growing, right? Yeah. Like that's the mm -hmm. best thing that could ever happen, you know, in the, in the midst of that. So, yeah. And I think with like a calling or with your like feeling of like, this is God, or is it me? Um, really just wrestling with and praying through and looking through the Bible. Is there anything in what I'm doing that's going to go against what the Bible says or right. what God says? And if not, like I say, go for it. If that's what you want, like God can use you anywhere you go, as long as you are actively pursuing him and actively following him. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about what is it like down there? So when, I mean, I know you're a teacher, but is it like here? Like you teach a class, like a certain age group of people, like tell us mm -hmm. about life in Bolivia as a teacher. Yeah. So my teaching is basically what you would think of as an elementary teacher here. I teach fourth grade. Um, I have 18 kids in my class. Um, and I teach in all English. Of course, they're bilingual, so they speak in Spanish and English all the time. But, yeah, the whole school is done in English. How'd they become bilingual? Start, like, did they have to learn that mm -hmm. in school? Yeah, they really? start in kindergarten and pre-kindergarten, um, not knowing any or a little bit. And slowly over time, they just pick it up. And it's really amazing right. how quickly they can pick it up. Yeah, I, did, I can't figure that out. Like, yeah. why are we so far behind the eight ball? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I get it. Like, I think that, you know, they, we've had bilingual mm -hmm. programs around for a while. I mean, it's become more popular. But you do not find very many Americans graduating yeah. high school being bilingual. Well, they don't start that till like, elementary school. And that's, that's not everybody has to take Spanish, I don't think. 
You yeah, know, but these kids are learning at a, a young age when they're sponges right. and they start absorbing that. It's like I took German for like one year. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember much about it. You know, it's like, and what am I going to do with German? You know, that's not. But um, yeah, I think you know, you start younger, and and people just grow up, and they just yeah learn better. Yeah, and when you're just put in, you're just dropped into the language. You either sink mm-hmm. or swim. You either learn it or you don't. So right. yeah, right. and you uh, teach a lot of like dignitaries kids too, don't you? Is that right? Um. Yes. That may not be the right word I'm looking for, but I yes. remember. I'm trying to think of the right word. Uh, ambassador? Ambassadors. Ambassadors, yes. kids. Okay. But she has some locals, too. But right. she has some people, yeah, so from different countries that are there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not even Bolivians. Yeah. No, I just think it's weird because most people in America can barely speak English. Mm-hmm. You know, True. let alone, yeah. you know, let alone another mm-hmm. language and be able to do it proficiently where mm-hmm. in most other countries where you go, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they are motivated to mm-hmm. understand English mm-hmm. and yeah. figure out how to do it. It's the coolest thing. They can, um, we encourage them to speak in English while in school because their parents are paying so much for them to learn English Right. that they'll be speaking in Spanish with their friends and I'll just be like, hey, like speak in English. And just like that, they switch yeah, mid-sentence, mm-hmm. right. just switch to English, and it's the coolest thing. Right. Yeah, so talk about outside of the classroom. What's life like? Do you have friends? Do you, like, hang out? Like, what do you do in Bolivia when you don't know anybody? Like, how has that progression went? Yeah. Um, so I think a big difference with my experience with Costa Rica and Bolivia is that Almost all of the teachers in Bolivia are American. Okay. Um, so they're expats who are living in the country like me on the mission field. And um, so we're all friends, hang out, um, yeah, do things together. And that's kind of where our, like, friends What's the thing is. to do in Bolivia? Um, I mean, we like to play soccer with the kids, okay. with the high school kids. So is it true soccer um, or like football soccer? <laughs> true soccer. True soccer, yes. <laughs> um, and so they love to play with us. We They always beat us by so much because they're so much better than us. But <laughs> Do you live the in the fun. city? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, we go out to different restaurants. So it's close the to city. the school where you live? Um, about a 15 minute drive. Okay. Um, the school's kind of up on a mountain towards the outskirts of the city, like a suburb. So do you have a car? Like, do you just, or do you have to take public transportation? Um, There's taxis and then there's these things called mini buses, Mm -hmm. which are just, um, like 15 passenger vans that you just pay two Bolivianos or 20 cents and Mm. they'll take you. Um, they have like routes that they're going. And mm-hmm. so you can just hop in and then get out along the route whenever you want to or taxis. Um, yeah. yeah. And so is the, so ta- is it a Christian school? Is it, and so do they get taught Bible there or are these kids all Christians coming or are they just, mm-hmm. you know, cause again, I'm, I, I always wonder this even about Christian schools in America. Like, I don't think everybody that goes to a Christian school is a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think they go because it's better. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's more private. Mm-hmm. It's more the, 
I don't know if better kids is the right word, but a lot mm -hmm. of times people go to a Christian mm -hmm. school and aren't. So inside of that, because you were talking about being a teacher and being in the mission field, right? So how does being a teacher in Bolivia equate with the idea of being in the mission field? Like how, how does that part work? Yeah, so our students are who we are ministering to, okay. our students and their parents. Okay. Um, it's a Christian school, so we teach them Bible. Um, and um, it's K through 12. It's the one of two English schools in the city. And so a lot of kids want to go there. And it is um, kind of more of like a higher end school, I guess, mm. um, with like ambassadors kids. And um, we had the attorney general's son that went there. It's like the second in command of Bolivia. Wow. His son went there. <laughs> um, and so really like high people up in power mm -hmm. um, and kind of the upper class yeah. of the influential Paz, people yeah, yeah, or the city. Mm -hmm. And... They don't have to be Christians to go there, but they do need to know that their kid will be learning Bible mm. and have Bible homework right. and all of that stuff. Mm. And so, um, yeah, last year we had a couple Muslim students who went there. Um, their dad was the ambassador. And um, Oh, that's a shift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, send a Muslim kid to a Christian mm -hmm. school. Yeah. Wow. And because it's such a great school and it gets them such a good education, hmm. um, there's not, hmm. our school is so different that way as to all the other schools in the city. Um, there are other private schools. There's like a German school and a French school and another hmm. American school, but they just don't have the community that we have hmm. because we're a Christian school hmm. and they don't love their kids. Mm. like we love our kids and yeah. the parents see that and they value that mm. even if they aren't Christian, like they're Muslim, right. they value the like love that their kids get. And it was really cool to see one of the Muslim students. She was in fifth grade last year and um, she said that like she loved Jesus. Mm. And so that was really cool mm. to see. Wow. Um, so uh, it's not like the, traditional, I guess, missionary where you go into the poor and you like help all the poor. Sure. Um, we are helping, not helping, I guess, we're ministering to the next leaders of Bolivia right. and trying to teach them the values and teach them who God is and that Jesus died for them. And um, yeah, so that's our mission is to teach those future leaders of Bolivia and of South America hmm. Um, how does church look? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm always interested how church goes in other countries and, you know, so how is your church experience? Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a handful of churches that all the teachers go to. Okay. Um, there's one English church, um, in the city and I think a few teachers go there, but most of us go to Spanish churches, um, where the wow. service is in Spanish mm -hmm. and, um, so that's, I go to one that's in Spanish, and it's actually in our director's house. Um, oh, wow. And so it's about 20 or so people, um, and we all just get together, and they rotate a few of the pastors, um, or a few different people speak and preach. And um, it's like an outreach of, or like an extension of a church hmm. 
that's here in the United States. Um, so, ta- so the difference between American church and church not over there, mm-hmm. what's the biggest difference? Um, I mean, for me, what I've seen, it just with it being so small, mm-hmm. um, it's just very, like, intimate mm. um, and very, I wouldn't say traditional, mm-hmm. but traditional-esque. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely their main religion is Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our students are Catholic. Um, and... So that's kind of interesting, having, like, seeing that from a Christian side. And um, Is it the same in Bolivia as it is, you know, I've traveled in different countries, but mm-hmm. when we were in Guatemala, so, I mean, Christian churches are trying to convert Catholics to Christianity because they see Catholicism as not... Mm-hmm a Christian faith. Where in America, it's kind of blended together, right? Mm-hmm. Like Christian Catholic, it's kind of all the same thing. But yeah. most of the time in other countries, if you are a Christian church, Catholicism is seen as something you need to convert, just like Islam, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, they see it. And is that the same in Bolivia? Is it? Yeah, um, you know? there's definitely like a split between the two. Right. Um, in a lot of like conversations of like Catholics saying I'm not Christian, I'm Catholic, and then Christians saying like you're not like going to heaven because you're Catholic. Um, yeah, and I feel like the Catholic Church is very traditional, mm-hmm. whereas here um, there's so many different branches of Catholicism mm-hmm. that, um, but there it's just very like quote unquote. Catholicism and the traditional um, views of it. Right. That's what I always thought was interesting. Everywhere, at least in South American countries that you travel, Catholicism is huge, you know, in most of those countries. And when you go as a missionary, some of your biggest people that you're trying to minister or convert are Catholics, Mm -hmm. right? Or people that are in the Catholic Church to Christianity, and it's and it's very much seen as the same as if you were in a country that was trying to convert Muslims from Islam to Christianity. Mm-hmm. But when you come back here, you definitely don't have a... Nobody's trying to convert mm-hmm. a Catholic to Christianity. Like, nobody's... Right. Like, it's just seen as the same thing. And I always thought mm-hmm. that was an interesting difference in the view you know, whether it's because Catholicism, again, in other countries, Catholicism, whether it's traditional or not, has belief systems that in other countries they would say, hey, you need to change mm-hmm. right inside of that. So I just didn't know if it was some of the same, you know, where you were at and the people that you're ministering to. Yeah. Other than Catholicism, is there much Islam in? Because usually not. In, no. Yeah. The only I've seen is the two students that we had. Right. Yeah, and so do you guys do outreach? Like, is there through the school, or is most of what you do done inside of the school? Um, I would say most of it is done inside of the school. Once they get into, like, middle school and high school, um, there's a shift in having the kids do more, like, outreach stuff. Mm. Um, So in high school, they do a missions trip 
to a different part of Bolivia. And, oh, wow. Um, the more, like, third world side of Bolivia. Mm-hmm. And they do service projects twice a semester um, where they just go out and they either, like, hang out with old people or clean the streets or garden for mm-hmm. other mission ministries. Um, have you experienced any of that side of Bolivia yet? Like, have you been to the quote unquote third world side of, um, not really. I've kind of like driven through parts or, um, gone to like the outskirts of our city, Mm -hmm. which is drastically different from inside of the city. Right. Um, and, um, but yeah. I haven't experienced it too much. Yeah, because the inside of the city is, I mean, I would say it's its not like America, but it's also not third world-ish, right. you yeah. know, or very, poverty isn't huge inside of the city, right? right? Like right. it's more on the outskirts of the, because mm-hmm. is Bolivia more of a rural place or is it a lot of small cities? Um, I think it's more rural. Okay. Um, yeah, there's only a handful of cities, but I think most people live out in the rural areas. Yeah. And so do you, so the school that's there, do they, is the whole idea to bring American teachers over there, over there to be, so most of the school is made up of all American teachers? Yeah. I think there's maybe five out of 30 that are not American, that are Bolivian. Yeah. Um, And one Mexican. (laughs) So... Yeah. And so the community aspect of it all. So that part's been going good because that was one of the things in Costa Rica that you mm-hmm. said was harder. Right. And so yeah. the community piece of it. So you've made good friends. And yeah. Yeah. She met her boyfriend there too. I did. You have a boyfriend? I do. He was here for Christmas Eve and I got to meet him. Wow. <laughs> yes. Okay. Is he American? Yes. Okay. Where's He's he from? from Pittsburgh. Okay. And he's teaching there also? Yep. Wow, look at that. You don't only get over there and get to reach people for Jesus. You get to meet your future, yeah, future yeah. husband, maybe. Hopefully. Hey, Hope- o- well, shit, hopefully. No, I know. Like, you're always dating to be married. I know Heather Heipel would have told her that, right? Like, you're always dating with the idea of getting married, not try before you buy type idea. Correct. So, yeah. Sorry, Jennifer, you have any other stuff? Because we're getting... Forty-five minutes in, yeah. so I just no, wanted. I just wanted to another thing that she had had shared because we had sat down this summer before when she was home before she she left. You know, you were talking about like you know poverty mm-hmm. and stuff in the in the city. You know, as her as a teacher, she only makes six thousand dollars a year, is what she makes, which yeah. blew me away. And so, like, what is their standard of living? Like, what do the normal people make? Because to us, that's poverty. Right. I mean, she doesn't even make right. You know, anything. So. Yeah. Is is that, I assume they make a lot less than what you would make then. Mm-hmm. I mean, or... Yeah, I would say most Bolivians um, probably make less than I do. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Does yeah. everything cost less? Yeah. I, I mean, feel like we can go out and I can get like a burger and fries and a drink for like six, seven dollars. Okay. Um, and... Like yeah. American dollars. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it is less less expensive, but the like travel from here and there is very expensive. Right. So that's where a chunk of my money goes. <laughs> right. But um, 
Yeah, the cost of living there is definitely less expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and and is it the, again, not to get in the economics of it all, but these are all, I mean, this isn't a poor school, right? right. So I assume they're paying a decent amount to go there right. to be able to do that. So are the funds <laughs> distributed in some other way that like they didn't, like, or they yeah. just have this expectation that they're going to get a bunch of on fire for Jesus Americans <laughs> to come <laughs> and pay them nothing. I, and I'm not saying it against your no, school at it. all. Like, is there a, mm-hmm. um, it's part of an organization of Christian mm-hmm. schools. Okay. Um, called Nix, which is stationed here in the United States. Um, so I think a lot of money goes to Nix and the, I don't know what they do with it, but, um, with their distributing of funds, mm-hmm. um, goes to um, the like adding things onto the school and making the school better, buying new things. But yeah, yeah. I again, it's always Couldn't weird, know. <laughs> you know, to me. And this right. is throughout all of whether it's education or any of those things is that. The economics never add up, mm-hmm. right? Like the the effect that mm-hmm. teachers are making, the the things that teachers mm-hmm. do outside of normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like you're just doing eight to five. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're investing mm-hmm. a lot into kids. Mm-hmm. You're doing a lot. Like it's, I mean, that's a huge economic disparity because even if mm-hmm. it costs less, I mean, still like six thousand mm-hmm. dollars is right. not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a huge disparity in Mm -hmm. in the States. I mean, people would say it all the time is, is Mm -hmm. that, I mean, the, what teachers get paid probably doesn't add up to the impact Mm -hmm. or the value, you know, that they're having in the Mm -hmm. lives of kids. And so, yeah, that's just, yeah, that, that's a challenge. So did you have to raise support? Are you raising support? Like, um, yeah, so I can raise support. Um, I, don't have any support right now, but I'm trying to, you know, figure it out and see if the Lord provides any or. So, I mean, is that, I'm just saying it. So if, if people wanted to support you, like how do they talk about that? (laughs) Sorry, Jennifer. (laughs) Keep going. My bad. So we had talked about that when she was here Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things Rain and I wanted to do and we videoed her and we just haven't like totally walked down that road, but We have, we are, have a plan. So yeah. So since Emily, you know, she's still a part of life church, she's still come when you're, when you're home, you know, you've always (laughs) done that through college and, you know, so yeah. So we, um, people can give to her through on online. So you can go to lifehuntington.com backslash giving, and you can hit missions for Emily Johnson. And so you can deposit that way. So, and then Emily and I will work out how to give her money. Um, we'll have a mission. We have a mission wall out here. Emily's picture will go up there. There's going to be like a QR code too. So there's things that we're working on to to start supporting her financially and other missionaries. That we have some other people who are interested in starting the mission field as well. And okay, so yeah, there's going to be more opportunities to, if your your heart is leans for that, wants to help you know people in missions that you can do that. So. Yeah. So again, I. So I'm going to ask you. Sure. <laughs> so is the plan, so after this, so people will be able to watch, mm-hmm. get a little bit of mm-hmm. Emily's story, then the idea would be is we're going to put out a video, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to, you know, talk about what she's doing. And then we're going to give people the opportunity, you know, from life to be able to contact her, mm-hmm. to be able to get on. Because, and again, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but maybe not even just uh, 
financially, but maybe financially in care packages or financially in support well, and financially. I can't, fun fact about Bolivia, you can't get any mail there. Oh, okay. Any mail or boxes. What about email? Email, yes. Yeah, so people could send you mm-hmm. encouraging emails yes. or, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you want that, but <laughs> yeah. I would assume that it's nice to hear from people Definitely. and people mm-hmm. that you can have a bigger community, people that you mm-hmm. can be sharing wins with, people that you can be sharing, mm-hmm. you know, prayer requests with, mm-hmm. like that that idea. So we'll provide that for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one a- thing that we had talked about was having, yeah, if you wanted to do prayers, you know, yeah. let us know, and then we would have prayers to right. connect with her and stuff like that. Right, so, so yeah. for the people that are coming to Life Church, they'll see it, they'll be a part mm-hmm. of it. And mm-hmm. then the people that come into the cafe, mm-hmm. so there'll be a mm-hmm. mission wall, and yep. so there'll be an opportunity. So if you're listening, you don't come to Life, you know, there'll be opportunities when you come into the cafe to get a coffee. And if you haven't mm-hmm. been here, you should be here. So for when sure. you come, you'll have it up, mm-hmm. and there'll be a mission wall up, mm-hmm. and people can go and mm-hmm. figure out how to be able to connect, yep. you know, from there. So yep. with that, are there specifics that you would want people to be praying for? So the the listeners or the people that are watching, is there something that, that we can, from a prayer perspective, support you in other than what's coming from a financial standpoint? Yeah. Um, just through my teaching that um, the Holy Spirit can really guide me into how to best um, minister to my students mm. and all of the students. Um with my boyfriend being the high school teacher, I get to kind of interact with them mm. um, a little bit more. And so um, I'm hoping to be able to minister to them a little bit more and maybe mentor them mm. um, like I've been mentored. Um, so just prayer in that and um, just in guidance throughout the next semester and um, that I can find rest for myself um, yeah. Yeah. Good. Jennifer, anything? Sorry. I'm a coughing fit. <laughs> I'm trying not to cough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. Okay. So any, <laughs> any final like wisdom, parting words, anybody that's out there that's searching, like I'm trying to figure out, cause I don't, I don't even think it's an age thing. I think it's a, whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged or whether you're older, I think that there are times in our life. Cause I mean, when you're young, you tend to hear it voices well, and then we kind of tune it out. But sometimes in life we're woke back up to like, Hey, we should be doing what God calls us to do. And so for anybody that's in that transition of like, I feel like God wants me to do something different or to do something that I'm not doing today. Any wisdom for those people to walk through that journey? Um, I mean, I guess just like how I've been doing it is just have that childlike faith Mm. and um, jump into Mm. it with both arms up, not trying to hold on to anything. Mm. Um, and just go into it with open arms, ready to receive whatever God has given you. Um, and don't be afraid of the unknown. Yeah. Um, and God will provide if you are following his will. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I like the visual. Jump in with your mm-hmm. arms up. Don't hold on to anything. That That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jennifer, yep. you want to send us out? Yep. So if you are not a part of our podcast group, you can text the word podcast to 260-408-8383. 
Let us know if you want to be a guest on the podcast, if you have someone you want to have on the podcast, or any topics or anything you want us maybe to talk about. So. Yeah. And again, reminder, when this goes out, uh, it'll go out on our Facebook. Make sure you share, like, or comment. Um, and then again, be looking for the video that's going to be coming out and the ability to be able to get on there and uh, be able to share uh the link with other people and be able to go on. And if you feel called, please support financially because mm -hmm. again, it's, you know, the, the cool thing is, is that before any of that came in, you just said like, if I followed a child like faith, like I just jumped in mm -hmm. and let God provide. Mm -hmm. And I think that a sense of encouragement that the church can be to people is, is that, you know, doing those things, we want to come alongside of you. We might not all be able to be in Bolivia and we might not be able to, mm -hmm. to be able to do, but we can live through what you're doing by coming alongside of you and financially supporting, uh, that call. Cause I think the encouragement for people, cause I've always said like, listen, God, God provides to those who see vision or mm -hmm. to accept callings. Like I know there's always a what if in everything, but I think they, that God proves that those who will take steps, mm -hmm. he's going to come alongside and through people. And so if you see the link, see the video, mm -hmm. make sure that you support. If you get an opportunity to see Emily in the few days before <laughs> she goes, Friday, yeah, that's so. a few days. If you see her in the community, mm -hmm. make sure you, you know, you come and say hi, but I just want to say I'm proud of you. You know, it's cool to see you from, you know, when you were in middle school and just the, the mentoring process, but even bigger than that, that you listened, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people who, are mentored, you know, is good, but we do sometimes grow out of listening to God and grow out of the childlike mm -hmm. faith. And it's, so it's neat to see from the time that you first like, hey, we should just pack mm -hmm. backpacks to I should go to Bolivia on $6,000 and teach <laughs> kids in a country where I don't know the language. Mm -hmm. That's cool to see all the way through. So I'm just super proud of you mm -hmm. and we'll be praying for you and uh, hoping that God continues to use you in amazing ways. Thank you. So thanks, everybody, for listening and or watching, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.